I'm going to start with a line that I've stolen from maybe my favourite podcast. Actually, I don't listen to too many podcasts. <laughs> Literally, the best podcast. It's called On Being. Yep. Have you heard of it? Nope. It's by, uh, her name's Krista Tippett, and she... What can I, it's it's really just it's really about what the title suggests, like how to be in the world. And I think Simple. this is the poor man's version of on me. I mean, it's a fantastic podcast, Emma should listen to it. But she starts off with um, the same question to every person she interviews, from you know, priests to activists to poets. And it starts with what is the religious or spiritual background of your childhood? Okay. And yours is pretty interesting, actually. And yep. I don't mind this as well. But I'm we'll, sure start, it is. we'll start with yours, Nick. What would you describe as the religious and spiritual background of your childhood? Right. All right. Well, mine's easy to answer in a nutshell. It would be Anglican. Yeah. Uh, because my dad was an Anglican priest. Yeah. So we were raised. Although when people hear that, their first question is usually, so how are you here? When they hear my dad was a priest. So Anglican priests can get married and have kids. So. That's how I'm around, and my two older brothers. But then they also have other assumptions about, you know, how we would have been raised and it would have been super conservative and things like that. So when I say I was raised Anglican, I mean, I went to church every Sunday uh, for like the first 14 years of my life. Um, but we never really lived in a household that talked about religion outside of church. Really? Yeah. Even though your dad was a priest. Yeah, even though he was a priest. It was sort of like, that was just his day job as far as I was concerned. So... I don't really remember ever being a time where I was like, we're a religious household. It was only when I started interacting with other people when I was a bit older and they started reacting to the fact that my dad was a priest that I realized that should have had some, some consequences. That should, have, that should mean something, but it really didn't. Um, yeah, so we went to church for most of my childhood, but because he was so free with it, my oldest brother stopped going when he was about 16 and my other brother stopped going when he was about 15, and I stopped going when I was about 14. Yeah. So, I mean, the main reason I feel we went was because they couldn't be bothered getting a sitter. When we eventually yeah, Saturday, got to, Sunday morning. <laughs> exactly. You've got to organise that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we went because we needed to go because that's where mum and dad went. Yeah. But they never enforced any belief system or yeah, talked about it at home. And as soon as we didn't need to go and we decided we didn't want to we didn't have they to were okay with that. yeah so was there a lot of you didn't grow up with that religious imagery or language in your household like about jesus and god and the holy spirit yeah not really i mean it, it was funny i was talking to someone not too long ago and i, I equated god to like santa claus there was never really a part in my childhood where i can remember actually thinking that there was a god that's really interesting. it was sort of just like oh that's another you know being that yeah. parents and, and communities have made up to, you know, have a certain yeah. meaning for, for society and it, and it serves a purpose, like Santa brings presents and, <laughs> yeah, right. and God makes us go to church on Sundays. Wow. But I, I never really had this moment of realisation yeah. that I can remember where I was like, there is no God. God yeah, is made up. Yeah, it just never... It, it just, just never... Yeah. That's so interesting. So how did your dad become a priest? You know, I don't know the you details. Know. All I know is... Um, like, my grandparents aren't super religious. Okay. Uh, I think they believed in God and attended church, but that's the extent of my knowledge for his parents. Yeah. And then he just went on to study theology at uni and yeah. became a priest. Because that's, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've only heard, I, I mean, I've seen your dad around, but I've never had a conversation with him. But I've only heard, you know, fantastic things about your father. And it makes, I read recently that, you know, a true spiritual teacher 
is one that doesn't force their way on others because it's they just are so comfortable with the way that they're living and it's not about being right it's just about them and their relationship with um whatever that they believe in um and that's amazing that you know and like that's you know people in general but to have children and be like no you can do your own thing and even though my job is to kind of not you know serve this community and serve this religious community that you know speaks volumes about your dad so yeah that's really interesting and the other lasting memory i have at least a point of comparison i have for him as a priest compared to other priests didn't really happen until i was in my teens and i went to a service that he wasn't taking and that's the first time i've ever been to a church service that dad wasn't taking and I remember being so bored yeah. and their sermon was so much more religious than his had ever been. Yeah. His had always been like life lessons and he just talked in generalities yeah. about, you know, morality and, and that, just life in general, really. Yeah. And then I went to this service where they just read from the Bible for yeah. like 40 word for minutes, word, word for word. Yeah. And that was their sermon. Yeah. And, that, and that was the first moment where I went, in my head, you know, wow, dad's not a regular kind of <laughs> yeah, he's, priest. He's not a regular priest. He's <laughs> no. a cool priest. Yeah, he's a cool he priest. He had a soul patch and like yeah. ear piercings. And, Is he yeah. still a priest? No, he's not a priest anymore. So he left the church. Well, I mean, he's still ordained. So he yeah. can, he's still, I think, technically a priest. He's just not working as a minister at a church, however that sort of works. But he yeah. can do weddings and stuff still. Oh, interesting. Um, so if you are getting married <laughs> and you want him to be the, the, yeah. the guy, he's really good at it. Oh, yeah, um, actually, I... I he probably yeah. would be. Yeah, like, yeah. So keep, keep him cool in mind. Priest, yeah. He sounds like he's a and bit of a spiritual teacher. For, for any listeners. <laughs> yeah, any listeners. Know, track us down, yeah. track down Nick's dad. Exactly. He's, he's great at it. Um, but yeah, no, no, he's not doing that anymore. He left it a number of years ago uh, because of just um, moral disagreements, yeah. as far as I know, with the church as an establishment. Yeah, that's so interesting. That is, and I think it ties into what I was hoping this conversation would get to, which is the difference between spirituality and any kind of, you know, um, you know, belief system in something bigger than ourselves or in nature or in kindness or goodness or whatever it is, and then how it's expressed religiously. And there's such a chasm between that because, like you were saying, in terms of that second uh, priest and his sermon. Yeah. You're you, like, you know, there's a religious text, but you're like, how does this apply to how we live our life? Actually, like, live, yeah. Really know. I mean, um, for those who don't know, the Bible was written a really long time ago. So yeah. It really doesn't yeah. feel real world applicable so, anymore. <laughs> yeah, so it's really like focusing on the form rather yeah. than the actual substance or the essence. Yeah. It's like, how do we translate this and yeah. actually apply it to what it means to live a good life? Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting. So, my religious background, I grew up in a Muslim family. Um, and I say that. But I'm an only child and my dad is quite religious. My grandfather was an imam of our village in Bangladesh. Um, so my dad is quite religious. But my mother is really was really not at all and um, kind of more just spiritual. Yeah. Um, I think for a time she was quite, you know, religious and practised um, Islam in the forms that it's required to be practised in. And then was kind of like, you know what I, I don't disagree with the essence of this but yeah. the form is not really fitting me yeah and so my memories from like when I was a child was dad being like 
praying in the Quran and trying to make me go to Arabic school while my mum's just there sitting. There's a book in our house still and it's like the world religions. And my mum's sitting there reading like the Mormon Bible <laughs> trying to be like, all right, so what's in this? You know? And so literally like in my, it's funny, in my family home where my father still lives praying in the bookshelf, it's just like literally every single religious text, like the one, like the Bhagavad Gita, which is like a sacred Hindu text. Yeah. Obviously, the Quran, the Bible. I think there's a Torah. So it was a very there. open household. <laughs> yeah, it was a confused household, and I really remember. And so I started off with the form of Islam. So you know, my I, I would pray, and I liked praying to be honest. Like I was like, this is a nice quiet time <laughs> for me to like just wish into my little yeah, hands and be like, nice. hey, God, hey, yeah, it's me. Um, and yeah, like and the Arabic and all of that. But I had two really key moments where I thought, oh, I don't know that this is all there is. And one was, um, so in the subcontinent, the major religious rivalries between um, Hindus and Muslims, which started you know, from colonial times. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I grew up with this anti kind of Hindu prejudice, like, let's be frank. Um, and I remember reading, I think I was in grade one, and reading a book in the library about religions. And there was a page on the Hindu religion, yeah. and there was a girl, because it was for, like, small children, there was a girl there, she was, like, my age, and she was, like, I really like going to the temple because I feel really calm and peaceful, and I remember reading that as, like, a six-year-old being, like, oh, that's what I feel when I pray, though, <laughs> but, like, you're How she getting the same thing Yeah, exactly, it. I was, like, but I was, like, what I picked up is, like, you guys are somehow weirdly different from us, but, like, that's what I feel when I pray. So, like, something's gone wrong here. Like, yeah. and you look like me, and you're also, like, six years old. So, like, it's not us. It's the adults. Like, yeah, something's wrong. They, they wrote something down wrong somewhere. Yeah, something's it's, gone it's, missing. Yeah, lead over. And then maybe a few years later, oh, this was amazing. I was sitting in the car with my mom, and, you know, my dad, I think they had disagreements behind the scenes about what kind of, how religious I should be. And part of it was, like, you know, cultural, like, a lot of Bangladeshi cultural things are, Muslim like Eid yeah. and the celebrations um but I think there was like as I was growing up my mum was obviously had carriage of me as a young woman being yeah. a mother but my dad was like oh but the religious side is like <laughs> I know that she's not really gonna push the religion and like you know my mother was a stronger parent so that's the way it ended up going but in the car my mum was like so Annika like you know we're, we're talking about this god right and I was like yeah and she's like, if you think he's created everything that's ever existed and everything that will ever exist and everything that exists right now, why does he only speak Arabic? <laughs> and I was just like, lady, that is that is an excellent <laughs> question. And, like, I remember just, like, I mean, obviously, not, like, just, like, the boom, like, holy shit. <laughs> I think my favourite part about that question is yeah. that most adult religious practitioners would not be able to answer that yeah. satisfactorily yeah. about why that would be the case. And it just, and then from that point really, like whichever religious angle I took, it just didn't make sense to me. Like yeah. even, you know, um, Anna and I, Anna's next partner and we went to university together with, uh, you know, and a lot of our, um, a lot of our uni friends were quite religious. Yeah. Which is fine. Um, but there was this time where one of them was like, yeah, so, um, yeah, you guys go to hell because you haven't accepted Jesus Christ. And again, I was like, that just makes no sense. Like, or like it, it just inherently doesn't sit right with me that there's, like, God who's created everything and everyone in his image and all of this. 
and then condemns like majority of the them majority. to burn yeah. for like eternity. And it's not just you know this like Christianity. It's the same. In, for every if you read every religious text, literally, like yeah. your sinners will burn or whatever. Um, so yeah, I just well, like the form of religion on its own. Like don't get me wrong, on its own and in the way it's practiced, I was just like, this this can't be it. Like this is not enough. And now having gone kind of you know behind that and being like, what's the core of the message? Now I've kind of come back to not being religious, but looking at religions and just all I see are the similarities. Like yeah. the differences in the, like the form, yes, but the similarities between them, like my father still prays five times a day. And I remember this one day coming into our family home to visit him. And I was like, that's his meditation. Mm. Oh my God. Like I do this every day, like yeah. in a secular way, you know, and that's his way of calming himself down. So like there's actually now the form, like that's a form that makes sense to him, but yeah. what he's actually getting out of it is the same thing as like when I go to yoga or meditation, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it makes sense that all of the religions would develop in similar ways because they all have been made by people with similar longings, similar confusions, yeah. trying to figure out the mysteries of a world that didn't make sense to them at the time yeah. and, and who, who needed certain things in life that weren't being provided by other avenues, you know? So yeah. they created a belief system which led to certain forms which gave them that solace and yeah. I mean if anyone is interested in reading something that I really loved about this it was um uh, Elaine de Baton or however you say his name yeah. uh, Religion for Atheists yeah, right. which is a great yeah. book and a, it just book. really talks about all the things that religion gives people uh, and that other things could give people yeah. without the faith side of it. Yeah, exactly. And that's a, the thing about that book that I liked was that at the, you know, it, the structures around religion were created to perpetuate, you know, needs of community mm. and love and longing and um, connection to something else. But those needs haven't gone away, no, no. even though, the you know, in the West particularly, the number of people who are practicing formal, formal religious beliefs um, has decline yes, like people yes, are still looking yeah. for something to kind of grasp onto um and then and the but the beauty of that is that you know you don't necessarily have to look outside yourself or your community to find that like you don't need to actually this other i can't remember for the life of me where i read this but it was <laughs> awesome but it's just like you know one of those fables and it was like this man in a village and he really wants to figure out the mysteries of life He's really confused about it. And someone's like, oh, you know, everyone knows the wise man lives on, lives on top of the mountain, as they always do. Yeah, mountains are great places to be wise. Yeah, exactly. And so he treks up the mountain and he's like, hey, wise man, like, I'm here. I've made this journey. Can you tell me? Can you share the secrets of life? And I, this is the part where I'm like, I wish I remembered more about this story. <laughs> um, he says, like, he tells him all the stuff and, you know, and, like, you know what? I, I can fill in the gaps. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's okay, be yeah. honest. Like, let's do it. All this the is stuff Anakin's is... Favorite is be kind, be good, be compassionate, be lovely, yeah. like, you know, be good to humans, be in one with nature, like, look outside, like, don't be caught up in your own ego bullshit. Yeah. Like, this is not religious teaching. This is just basically, no. like, yeah. you know, it, it's something we fundamentally know. And, like, you know, even just to talk about the human spirit is something that people essentially understand. Yeah. So it tells them all that stuff, which we'll go into later as well, like, those ideas. Um, and then he's like, all right, now you know everything. Here's a stick to remember me by. And the guy's like, yep, okay. And so when I look at this stick, I'll, no, it's not about the stick, the form of the stick. I'll yeah. remember what you're saying. So he goes back down to the village and he's like enlightened and he shares like the, the 
the meaning of life with the villagers and they're like, whoa, we must like revere the stick. <laughs> so they put the stick in like, you know, somewhere in the village square, I'm guessing. Yeah. And it's fine while that guy's alive because he's like, whenever someone's like, what's the stick about? He's like, oh no, no. So the, the mountain and the, the teaching. You can tell the story. The stick is for you to remember to be kind and love your neighbors yeah. and be good and don't steal. Um, but then as time goes on and the guy dies, his children dies, his, um, his grandchildren die. People are just like around the stick being like, oh, holy stick, <laughs> you know? And it's like, it was never the stick, guys. It was what the stick symbolized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's what a lot of religions, that seems to sum <laughs> them up pretty well. And, and that's been talked about before, you know, the notion that human beings are pretty uh, fragile, faulty creatures. Yeah, and, and we forget a lot of the time those simple things that make us happy, which is, you yeah. know, be kind, be grateful be forgiving, all those things. Yeah. And that's what religion did really well, yeah. is that it set reminders for the that. Exactly. exactly. It gave you a structure yeah, to do exactly. that. Like your, your dad who prays five times a day, yeah. he has a structured day to be set quiet. up, to be yeah. quiet, to be forgiving, yeah, to, exactly. to think about all those things. Exactly. And when people step away from religion, they lose that as well. Yeah. And, and that's why there's so many people that are sort of lost. Yeah, Man. but you can definitely enter into those ideas without the stick. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. You don't need the stick. <laughs> yeah. So I have been talking about this with you for months now, and I apologize, but I've been in this psychoanalysis phase of my own ego, essentially, and how my psyche and what's kind of come up and how I've kind of become who I am and the way I think. Yeah. And it's been a very it's, – it's been – a very intense process and you know I came to it from a purely psychology secular angle my friend Freud and his <laughs> friend Jung um but you know like not at all in a religious way um but even then it was very helpful and then what happened now what's happening is I am getting when I, the more I tell people about it people have different symbols for this process right yeah. of like psychoanalysis or like looking into yourself and you know realizing your own thought processes <laughs> yeah. and a friend of mine it's funny she's um she grew up jewish but now is very much into kind of the spirituality of india and, and hinduism yeah, yeah and she was like yeah look this is symbolized by this goddess and you know she has this form and this color because you know the black is your unconscious and the fire is you lighting your unconscious and looking in and rah, rah, rah. Yeah, yeah. and i was like that makes awesome. sense to me. All right, okay. And then, you know, some of the Buddhist texts, like it's, you know, one of the tech, um, founding kind of ideas of Buddhism is that you go beyond the ego and the higher self and, you know, and watching the ego and you are not the ego and kind of dismantling that. So there's a lot of language around that psychoanalysis process of not thinking through that. And then I was thinking about this and this is controversial within the nerd, <laughs> um, and I'm going to say it, but... You know, the concept jihad, which is, you know, ubiquitous and intensely political and has caused a lot of pain and trauma and horrible things in the last, you know, since 9-11, it actually, the meaning of it is a religious war. And so the way we see it play out in politics, I mean, in current affairs, is literal war War, and pain and beheading and violence and really terrible things. But the alternative approach and the alternative um, interpretation is a religious war within yourself, right? Yeah. Between the darkness and the light, between your higher self and like your, 
um, the goodness that's inherent. I, I genuinely believe in all of us. And that darker self where, like, the fear lives and the anger lives and the, and the jealousy and the petty resentment yep. live, right? And that is a constant process that all humans, I think everyone can relate to, like, which – those two sides of yourself. And I was just – I was kind of thinking about it and, like, wow, like, that's where – and this is my interpretation. Like, I'm not saying it's objective truth. But that's where when you look at a lot of the ideas, they kind of come from the same human place, right? Yep. Um, and carry enormous value as I've like kind of found the last couple of months. Um, but when what happens is when you disconnect the idea from the internal human stuff, it, it it's not only problematic, it can be catastrophic, like yeah. in terms of, you know, now it's Islam like these days, but they were like, you know, the Irish what were they Catholic or Protestants? Who were the problematic ones? I, I can't remember. Uh, I don't <laughs> but they were but, a different know. religious group. Yeah, different things, religious yeah. group because they the had Crusades. a different yeah, different form of belief. But yeah, like it, it all ties back to the same the like the same human need. And actually on you know, my dad and his his meditation. Yeah. <laughs> um we were watching David Attenborough. We we watched Rachel. a lot of David Attenborough, me and my father. Um, and like, I can't remember what it was, but I just remember like looking at both of us and we were like, whoa, nature. And like, well, like, you know, cause it's so beautiful yeah, and like the amazing. way yeah, it's amazing. Like just like from scientific point of view alone, it's like incredible. Right. And my dad is there sitting, like sitting there and the way he's interpreting it, he was literally saying like the glory of Allah. Yeah. And I was just like. Whoa, that's motherfucking cool. You know? <laughs> but it doesn't like the and again at that moment I was like, who, like how do you interpret it and then what language you put on it? Who cares? It's like mm. being awed by that majesty that is actually what's fundamental to being human. If that makes sense, yeah, it's yeah. like we can fight tooth and nail about like my cross is better than your like little mandala and my you know, five times a day is better than the yoga you do, even though the physical, actual movements are exactly yeah, the fucking same. same, right? You can do that all day, but if you lose the essence and, like, the value of it and what it and what it adds to going that level deeper and going beneath the superficial, like, career, relationships, like, whatever else, all that stuff we yeah. think makes us, you know, cool and whole and whatever, um, the value is lost. It's such yeah. a shame. And, and, I, and, and that's what a big problem today is with religion is that it is just well, not an act but a, a habit or a, something that people just do without thinking too much about yeah. it they're, they've lost the the meaning behind the ritual and now they just do the ritual yeah and it doesn't mean they, anything they anymore exactly stick. and that's yeah. why they fight each other when they have different kinds of sticks because yeah. they think the stick is the part that's important exactly and that's you know you said before you know uh, when you were talking about a great spiritual teacher is yeah. someone who doesn't care what other people believe exactly because they know it's about the journey and and yeah. just the values that each individual has rather than what they call it whether yeah, it's God, Allah, exactly. nature, the universe. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we have um, our really good religious friend, Nat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nat's his thing. <laughs> um, but I remember, you know, Nat is really steadfast in her beliefs, and I respect that. Um, but I remember the point where I really saw in her, like, I came to understand that it wasn't just, like, her holding onto her, like, her symbols, but it was more, it was a really deep thing for her. She was like, God isn't a man. Like, God isn't this white man with this beard. Like, <laughs> yeah. God could be a pie in the sky. Like, she literally said a pie. Like, it That's doesn't, great. it's not, you know, it's amazing. It's like, 
it's about four. Like it's not like it's not about that. Yeah. And um and another conversation we had one time was like you know she has this in a conversation with God. Um, and she was like, you know, God, I was asking God and I was doing this and rah, rah. And initially, cause you know, we're not used to that language or have this reaction to it. We're like, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but I remember actually, I think you saying like, you know, some people call it their intuition. Some people call it their gut. Like mm. some people call it, I now I'm using a lot of language around like the higher self and yeah. like universe or whatever. It doesn't matter as long as that voice somehow guides you and like somehow, you know, you feel like, and then, I mean, guides you to good. Like, yeah. Not guides <laughs> yeah, you to, guides you to yeah, like, uh, I'm gonna some questionable yeah. activities. No, but guides you in a way that makes you feel like, you know, connected to other people and like, yeah. you can see the beauty in other people. Who gives a flying fuck what you call it? Well, exactly. And, and, and that's what the goal should always be. It's something that connects you to yeah. yourself, but also to everyone around you. And that's one of my favorite things about Nat is that yeah. she will talk about it and she'll yeah. reflect on it and she'll engage with people and there's no sense of you have to believe this and you have to see yeah. it from my point of view. Yeah. And it, it's just a, a good opportunity to really engage with someone about their view on the world and, yeah. and explore that together. And then also consider like uh, after the initial like reaction, that like conditioned reaction to the religious language, yeah. you're like, mm. and then think like, hey, how... How would I, like, I can relate to the feelings and she's describing it in that way, but how would, what language do I use to describe those inner feelings in myself? It's so interesting. I was listening to a podcast actually on being, um, and I forget his name. They were talking about, it's Bon Heifer, maybe Bon something. No, a Christian teacher, German Christian teacher during the Nazi era. And he fled to the United States and then just saw what was happening in Germany with the rise of the Nazis and then went back to Germany and then was eventually sent to jail and killed because he was like, we can't promote this division and this killing of human beings. Like, this is not what the Bible is teaching. And you've co-opted religious language for, you know, evil. And I think in one of his diaries he wrote... um, I find myself in connected to the atheists. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not about the form at all. It's like, I find myself connected to the socialists and the atheists yeah. more than the religious people now, because this language has been co-opted for something else. Um, and I just thought that was so, yeah, that was really kind of profound in that now, especially where, you know, we are lucky in Australia, we have definitely have freedom of religion. And, you know, in any given circle of friends, it's like everyone and everything. Like some people are still yeah. deeply connected to the tradition that they grew up in, whatever it is. And, you know, it's a very multicultural society, so it could literally be anything. So there's a few of us, actually in our friendship circle particularly, that have kind of, you know, grew up in a certain way and then kind of rejected that form. But still, we're still talking about these ideas in a secular way. Yeah. And then there are other people that are like, oh, yeah, enough of this. <laughs> what is this? Whatever. And it's fine too. Like that's, that's your your reality and that's totally yeah and everyone has to tread that path themselves and and come to it themselves and i think one of the problem is that it's just it's not talked about enough that that aspect of humanity anymore i completely agree with you people drew a line in the sand that said if you stop believing in your god or religion then it means you have to cut out the spiritual entirely. Exactly, yeah. And and obviously that's led to a society that values other things that actually don't yeah. lend themselves so much to health and happiness. Exactly. Like, you yeah. know, a 
70-hour work week or whatever it might be because you need to give your life value and find meaning for yourself. Absolutely, and it doesn't – yeah, I think we're in this in-between, right, where people are like the the, the religious forms and the strict adherence is not working, but we're not at that place where people can very readily dip into non-religious ways of finding that meaning. We're in that – I think we're very much in that place where people are trying different things and figuring it out, and then I think eventually like – it'll be more well-established that, like, you know, you can definitely have a very rich inner world and connect to whatever you want to without being religious. Um, Yeah, definitely seeing that trend. It's it's, it's picking up that sort of part of society that's saying, you know, we need to be attached to nature and and another side of ourselves. Exactly, We don't have to believe in In, something like a deity or whatever it is. It's funny, like, there's that group on Facebook. I don't know if you're part of it. It's like Melbourne Plant... And selling and advice. Right. And there's, and it's really, I find it amazing because there's like 20,000 people, right, on this group. And they're all in their like, you know, seemingly in their 20s and 30s. And I, again, my, I keep from my own dad, but he's really the most religious person in my life. And he's also an agriculturist. So we talk about plants all day. Um, And I was like, dad, look, can you believe this? There's 20,000 young people in Melbourne. And we all, like, it's just this community for people connecting to plants, which is essentially connecting to nature, nature. right? And I just think it's just the, it's a very natural backlash to the, like, Instagram, like, Facebook, social media world of brands and rah, rah, rah. And it's like, that is so hard to maintain. It's like, let's go back to something that we know is, I don't know, like, I I guess kind of, like, simple on one level, but also is captivating and like makes us think about ourselves as a yeah. system and yeah it's yeah I, I think we're definitely kind of i mean at least in the circles we're in um shifting you know in t- terms of like social consciousness and also in terms of kind of um we're talking about plants and environmentalism and rah, rah, rah. like now it's definitely not a it's it's a perfect it's very secular to be like i care about the environment if yeah. actually even more yeah. so like more, more atheists care about like view, yeah, yeah than like some very conservative religious people will be like, global warming is a hoax. Like, why would God do that to us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is essentially the crux of that is living in line with nature and like, yeah, which is what we've drifted away from a lot in, yeah. in, a, in a lot of ways, which is, yeah, hence the push back towards having, what did we go? We counted probably like 20 plants in this room. Oh, and, man. And, and, and the little boy and, thing. And the little boy <laughs> thing over there. Yeah, but like, you know, and this is by no, like, not at all a religious household, but there's still like a connection to something bigger. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. it's not just me and my puny little human body. Like, it's like, wow, like, stuff that grows and then feeds us. Yeah, and exactly. And then this cycle. And yeah, it's just, and that's actually interesting. I've never understood. Uh, I mean, maybe rationally, but because my father was both a scientist and a very religious man, like he has a PhD in plant genetics. Couldn't understand the coexistence of those two I just know, I understood the coexistence very well. I just never understood the, like, the thing where, like, really deep, really, deeply religious people were like, sorry, this is bullshit. It yeah. just makes the whole yeah. thing cooler. Like, yeah, even if you, like, if, if you believe in a God and you figure out that we're mostly empty space, surely that makes it cooler. <laughs> and even if you don't believe in a God, it's still pretty fucking cool. It like, is cool. It's... And, and it doesn't make any sense when some of the arguments are, you know, the classic clockmaker oh, you know, yeah, or right, a watchmaker yeah, yeah. or whatever it is. Like, yeah. you know, the, the argument that something so complex with so many tiny moving parts and everything couldn't have just sprung from nothing. It had to have a creator. Yeah. So life implies a creator. 
But then you try to go into the detail of life with yeah, science and, yeah. and it's rejected. It's like, but God would have had to have made all that work for to create life. He didn't, we're right. not magical beings, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of like, even if, okay, say you believe in a creator and it's like, it can just as easily have started with like, just like nothing. And then it's yeah. like the magic of like, it's so... I think my, my problem with a lot of it is just so literal. It's like yeah. metaphors, guys. Like, do you know anything about literature? Skip like, that in primary yeah, school. Yeah, it's like things can be a beautiful metaphor and, like, not be held on so tightly. And I remember talking to a very deeply religious cousin um, when I was younger, and he was like, we're made of clay. At first. <laughs> and I was like, we're really not. Like... We you got really... out a pot you made yeah, in primary school like, and you were like, this is made of clay. I was like, we're really not made of clay. Um, and he was like, no, 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 we're made of clay. And like this was happening in another language, so maybe I missed something. Maybe. But it's like, it can also be a beautiful metaphor that humans were like made out of cells and atoms and all of that. And it's like, it's kind of like, like metaphorically, yeah. like clay or like just well, people are like a sculpture clay. and you know, yeah. you're constantly working on yourself and yeah, you're exactly. and, yeah. and that can be wonderful too. And you can, you can believe that it's like being guided or you can think it's like just this beautiful, random, magical yeah. work of art. But the point is the magic and the beauty of it. Exactly. And, and that doesn't have to be fixed yeah. you know, as one understanding of it. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, what's the what's the thing? Seven billion people, seven billion perspectives. And Absolutely, yeah. There is no, yeah, there's no objective truth. No. It doesn't no. exist. And it shouldn't need to. Exactly. And, and the problem exactly. is with the forms of religion, which seems to be what we keep going back to, is that they're fixated on there being one way yeah. to explain exactly. the world. Yeah, and, you know, I think we should probably end on this, but, um, you know, in... As reading recently, religion used to be about, um, you know, a way of appreciating the reverence and the mystery, right? Yeah. Appreciating that there's a lot we don't know and there's a lot that's bigger than us. But what's happened now is being co-opted and it's being used as a way to just prove right or wrong, yes or no, <laughs> yeah. no mystery. Yeah. It's like, no, like I've cut through, I've got the answers. And I think that's maybe why a lot of people are moving away from it. Yeah, rightly so.